0: Hey guys, this is Marcel from the Fig Harbor Radio. When you follow this show regular, you know that we run monthly trainings in Melbourne and Sydney and pretty much everywhere in Europe. However this time in September we run again a training in Singapore with our partner AllLinedUp.biz. Go to their website and you can book your ticket for Singapore there. As well as Brisbane. We will be in Brisbane in September again and we look forward to that. And another announcement is about our volunteer program. So far, we are three trainers in Australia, New Zealand. This is John Hippel, Martin Ruckert, and myself we three we need support and we need to grow this to the next level and we look for volunteers who would like to join in the training and uh, run with us a class you would be a helper and preparing the sessions and you get a big insight in how we run the training so if you think maybe i would like to become a trainer as well then follow the footprints of martin and john and volunteer in the class and become a trainer one day thank you very much and enjoy the show
1: So it's a symbol because even if it's specific in terms of the drawing, it's open enough for everybody to project their own life in there. That's the power of symbolic language. With the same symbol, you can connect with everybody because everybody puts the content of their own life into.
0: Antonio and I, we catched up in Melbourne. And what was thought as a half an hour interview turned into a one and a half hour recording with so many insights, that at one point I decided that's better to be done in two episodes. So this is one of two episodes. This episode is about the combination of graphic facilitation with NLP. So NLP stands for Neuralistic Programming. The second episode, which will be released soon as well, is about symbolic thinking, an introduction into symbolic thinking and how we make sense of the world. So Antonio was born in Mexico and has been drawing and sketching his whole life. He started his career as a cartoonist in animating stick figures between two key frames, penciling in. He moved to Paris, where he studied communication science and became a trainer for Neuralistic Programming. In this part, Antonio introduces you to NLP and the science behind the language pattern, about our body language and eye movements. We clarify misunderstandings about NLP and talk about coaching contracts and the right coaching setting in general. Antonio's experience in coaching made him the perfect match later to illustrate a book about success factor modeling which turned into the illustration of three books around the subject. We talk about graphic recording using digital tools like iPad and ask the million dollar question about his favorite iPad app for graphic recording. From here we head over into symbolic thinking which we decided to split into another podcast episode So this is episode number one. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Picabo Radio. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. So Antonio wrote to me an email a couple of months ago and I just had the random idea I would catch up for a podcast and it worked out. How great is that to have you here in Melbourne. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you. It's, it's, It's fantastic to be here and to... Have also the opportunity to to meet you. Yeah, uh, it was a bit random, uh, as you said, because actually I was just looking for a big whiteboard. Yeah, and I thought well, the best way to do that was to contact other graphic facilitators, and I went to to the site of the international association. IFEP. Yeah. Yeah, and went to Melbourne, and I found you there. So I just wrote an email about. I'm going to be in Melbourne. I'm going to be doing graphic facilitation. Can you help me to find uh, a whiteboard? And that's how the the connection happened.
0: So did you got a whiteboard? You got what you need? I
1: I got what I I need. Um, I got what I need um, from the... um, uh, the, the the client that I'm working here for uh, yeah. found they, they they got their own resources.
0: Nice, yeah. awesome. And you you're not here just on because you want to be on the Picablo Radio. You just you do all you flew in from I think Paris or yeah somewhere? from Paris yeah to um, do a work with client. Yeah, it's a two day seminar.
1: Um, I work with a consulting company in mm-hmm. Paris called Human. I collaborate a lot with them and together we're doing a series of 10 seminars most of them in paris but we did already one in london and we'll do one here in melbourne there may be one in the us a little bit later in the year um, with a worldwide uh, corporation so we're facilitating this series of seminars during those seminars i do most of the time graphic facilitation like the whole first day and half of the second day and the second half of the second day I also facilitate a workshop yeah, nice. during the seminar. Mm-hmm.
0: And um graphic facilitation means you're also running the facilitation or you're more capturing um like as a as a graphic recorder the insights and the, the Yeah, I guess stuff? it's most like graphic recording yeah, for
1: nice. for the first day and a half. And the second part is more just just facilitation.
0: Awesome. I always for me, it's always interesting to hear a bit about the life story, to hear about where you come from, where you grew up. Mm-hmm. If I'm right, you are born in Mexico? Yes, that's or right. Or if I say it right, Mexico? Or yeah, Mexico, yeah. <laughs> so, tell us a bit about like, where you come from and how you got into graphic facilitation.
1: Well, I lived in Mexico until I was about 28, and I've been drawing my whole life. Uh, like I really don't remember when I started drawing and I was quite good. And I got into, into cartoons very early in my life, but I never really, I never thought about it really as a professional thing to do. Uh, also because in Mexico we have very few production of, of animated cartoons or just uh cartoon spirit. Um which that, that changed a little bit later, but the only thing that I did professionally with that was one year I was collaborating with an animated cartoon startup in Mexico. Um, I was also studying communications. communications. Uh, so I did screenwriting with them and uh, character layout for animation. So I got very good training on how to sketch very, very fast. Because you have to do so many different sketches for, for every second of animation. Yeah. In in two D traditional animation, right?
0: So in, in in the traditional animation, I remember my, my actually my father did this once with me, where we did like a stop motion video uh-huh, yeah. with eight um, millimeter camera, mm-hmm. and you had like to redraw everything. Yeah. So is it is this is what we're talking about? Yeah, that's what we're talking about.
1: I was doing layout, which is I was. One uh, one of the persons that would do with Pencil, the animation. So with the storyboard, we will say the character has to move from here to here. So we will get the keyframes, the, the beginning and the end. And we were in charge of moving the character, so drawing 10, 12, 20, 30 drawings to get the character to the last position. And that's the layout. And then there's another another uh, artist afterwards will take... Once it's validated, once the animation is validated, you know it moves right. Then another one will do the inking. So another one will do the ink over your pencil. So nice. now now we have the definite drawings, and yeah. then the color, etc.
0: So they color all this like about thirty-five screens for one second or two yeah. seconds in. Yeah and and you 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 well yeah in in super an 8 mm you had like 24 frames per second or something or like a lot you could well, actually in have, in, right?
1: in in cinema what you used to do is to do it on celluloid yeah and to do all the all all the first uh, Walt Disney movies were done like that and, like these people were real artists painting with uh, acrylic or ink over celluloid and then photographing each one so that the animation works. Yeah. Um, when I was doing that, when we were scanning, of course, the the ink uh, drawings, the inked drawings, we were scanning them and then yet another person will take all that and do all the colors and assemble the animation. So it was a, a traditional process, but I was very much in love with, with that kind of thing. And I'm, as I said, I got really good training on how to draw very quickly. Yeah. Unfortunately, that particular company didn't really take off, Mm -hmm. and I was a little bit outside of everything that has to do with drawing and and sketching and animation for quite some time. I finished my career in communications, and then I decided that I wanted to go out and see the world. So I got a scholarship to do a master's degree in France, Mm -hmm. moved to Paris, where I still live today. And... Funny enough, the first real job that I got there, I started a a training company in NLP. Hmm. Uh, I got certified as an NLP Neuro Linguistic Programming.
0: Basically on top of your communication studies. That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, On top of my communication studies and on top of my master's degree that was on cinema. Then I got certified as a Neuro Linguistic Programming trainer Mm -hmm. and I worked as a full-time trainer and coach for four years and I got very interested on that because you get to learn tools to support other people to achieve what they want to achieve or to get unblocked on whatever they are blocked because NLP is really interested on finding out how people do what they do Mm -hmm. internally so how do we think yeah and how do we put ideas together How do we put concepts and values and beliefs together and how those help us to do what we do and sometimes how those um, get in conflict and therefore we cannot really achieve something. So we have to understand how we work in order to unblock and in order to overcome internal obstacles to move forward.
0: I, I never got really an understanding of what NLP uh, is like, how how it works. I, I all I know is that there's a bit about like reading facial expressions or something. That's just one one little small thing. Can you give quick, like short intro the, into
1: NLP? The the reason why it's difficult yeah. to explain is because NLP is a basket of tools. Yeah. It's not a science. Um, it's a discipline. That's why we call ourselves practitioners. Um, it's a discipline that assembles psychological tools. Mm-hmm. It's called Neuro Linguistic Programming because it was created in the 70s in Santa Cruz, California, by a couple of people that were very interested in language patterns and on computer science. And basically they were modeling, they were studying how three particular, three very famous therapists we working in California and they were modeling how they were working and what made them so special. What made them so successful? What made them be different? And they were very interested in the little differences that make the big be difference. Because they were so interested in computer science, then they created this metaphor that the metaphor says that w- when we grow up, basically we are programmed by society. To think and to behave in certain Mm -hmm. way, and if we can decode that program, then we can change it or we can reprogram ourselves so that we can overcome whatever beliefs or whatever yeah whatever beliefs are unblocking us Um, because of things that we grew up with. We believe that the world works in certain way, and obviously, depending where you. But depending on your age, on your upbringing, on your culture, then you have a different point of view than many other people. But when you think about what makes the difference between a regular chess player and an excellent chess player, both with the same cognitive capacities and both in good health and similar age, similar background, what makes that difference that one has excellence in a discipline and the other one not, then NLP is interested in studying that. Mm -hmm. So that you can learn from them.
0: Like this delta, right? Like this difference. Yes, that Mm -hmm.
1: difference. And the way that NLP gets to decode that is through language patterns and to observing body language. Mm -hmm. Like uh, when you said facial expressions, that's one thing, but there's also body language. There's also eye uh, movement. uh, And when you pay attention to that and the language patterns together, you get an idea Of what is underneath of the iceberg, right? What is underneath the surface of uh, of how a person expresses themselves. So um, most of these patterns we are unconscious about. Yeah. But when you become a trainer or a coach, you support another person to decode those patterns and to be able to understand yourself a little bit better so that then you learn where are the blocks or where where is it that you have to do a little bit of work to move forward in a different pace or to go to that next level of achievement or success or sometimes in not only professionally, but also in terms of health or in communication or social connections, relationships, et cetera. Because it's basically about how we think and how we, we
0: behave. So you can apply it in many different areas of human life so so now i i feel observed and i just freeze my eyes Mm. to not move them anymore so i have to i'm frank with you i'm I'm just it feels like to when you hear first about it's probably not a mentor but it feels first like when you can basically make create insights about the person just by their by their behavior which i'm absolute belief it's true it's possible yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but like um it feels a bit uh, Creepy. It feels a bit like, oh my gosh, what what what's well, it, possible? It, it does feel like that yeah. because
1: some some people when they listen to these kind of explanations, yeah. they feel a bit exposed. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. oh my god, what can you see about me exactly. that I'm not even aware of? Yeah. Um I like to explain it with a metaphor. Let's say a, a painter. Yes. A painter has a special training and awareness about light, composition, and color. Mm-hmm. And when whenever you are outside you're a painter and you are outside in the in the street or in a beautiful landscape you cannot help but pay attention to those kind of things but most of the time when you're just having your lunch you're not thinking about those things yeah so being a coach is a little bit like that most of the time when you're interacting with people you're not paying attention to their language or your or their body language cues but you can turn it on when you're working then when you're in a coaching session when you're in a coaching session you create a special environment and a special session, in a special place so that that interaction can happen. And also you have the permission from the other person yeah. to pay attention because there's a there's a contract. Yeah. There's a professional contract of support and trust. Yes. And that's why a professional coach wouldn't offer you a casual coaching session in a cafe or in a bar just like that because it's not the environment where we can develop that trust and where I can respect my professional contract with you. Right. So right now I'm, I do less and less of, of the coaching right now because I'm having more and more work as a graphic uh, recorder and facilitator, but I can still turn it on and support somebody and do even a Skype session or even, even by phone because you can get a lot by the tonality of the voice and the changes, the the nonverbal communication part of the voice. So I can still use it to support somebody as a coach, but that doesn't mean that we are like constantly analyzing everything all yeah. the time.
0: Yeah. Nice. And 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 it totally makes sense to me. It's like I'm 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 not a life coach in any mm-hmm. any way, but I, I just had the like um great experience of, of going for a one-time weekend with coactive coaching and and, and coactive mm. coaching has parts of NLP in it so yeah. all this like yeah. um like uh, when we did like training coaching session there were mm-hmm. this moment of like why why do you now like hesitate or like work yeah. with your arms or just, uh, talk about this in this way Does it? yeah and you just ask because it's the setting right it's like this coaching agreement mm-hmm. and makes total sense to me mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's very strong yeah so when we when we come from NLP and you were a trainer there and on the same time you have dro- drawn your whole life, yeah like you have those I, I see those two streams like of visualization and of coaching and communication skills coming together at one point w- uh, where does it hit? When, when does this happen? like Well it's, it's funny because the way I got into NLP, I was interested in it,
1: but I went to a workshop and the lady that later became my business partner was very interested in my drawing skills because I was do I did some sketches mm-hmm. I did some sketches during that workshop and she was interested on that so I kept on going to the workshops and I started training myself and later on I became a business partner with her but basically was the interest was also in my uh, sketching skills so during the 4 years that I was developing this training company i was training i was a trainer but i was drawing all the time because i was drawing as i was training to support to support the training to support pedagogically and people used to love it and they used to love whenever i did a a quick sketch for explaining a point Mm -hmm. and they would really really appreciate it so after some years i was intuitively doing already graphic recording for my own trainings without really calling it like that even without knowing that there was a job (laughs) or a professional career because it's actually quite recent also but at that point I was not aware of of the existence of it formally
0: I have to say when I um, see other graphic facilitators and they start explaining something visually Mm -hmm. that's an it's like almost you switch on a movie because like mm-hmm. I teach it I'm a well mm-hmm. I teach Picablo in Australia mm-hmm. New Zealand and we teach around the world but yeah. the 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 thing is like when you when you when you see someone who's an illustrator who comes from his mm-hmm. illustration background mm-hmm. and he uses his power his strengths yeah and yeah. um, you know that you can completely enjoy this movie now like mm-hmm. he's he's just for him it's like second language and he yeah. just he just draws and you just I constantly get into a a zone of just, let's enjoy this movie. Sometimes (laughs) it's like
1: first language. Yeah. Sometimes it's like articulated language is is your second language and the visual language (laughs) is your first language. And it's interesting because something that I really love about it is even when I was doing NLP trainings and now that I do graphic recording in different cities of, of the world with in seminars that you have many nationalities represented, mm-hmm. you realize that the visual language penetrates in a very effective way independently of the cultural background. Absolutely. And independently of the mother tongue of yes. people. You have a group of ten or twelve people, every every single one from a different nationality, taking a look at what you did as a graphic recorder. And there's something there that resonates with all of them. And that's for me, that's beautiful. It's like a common, you have, you get to a common denominator of language and culture that touches everybody. And that's, that's something that is very touching for me that I'm very interested on because it becomes a language that speaks directly to the brain and to the heart because we, we are hunting all this time for symbols and metaphors that tend to be uh, Mm cross-cultural
0: absolutely it's like a lot of like my experience from that is like a lot of not a lot maybe a a good handful of people i had in the training came from a background who work with the aboriginal culture in australia and work with indigenous people Mm -hmm. who their first language is not english yeah and then they use this skill to talk about their art and, and, and to help mm-hmm. them to maybe sell their art and mm-hmm. and this is really powerful and and I absolutely get this like, like breaking the boundaries between cultures I would wish that when the United Nations meet together on a round mm-hmm. circle they should have all graphic walls behind them and I just think it will happen very schedule.
1: soon I think it will yes. happen very very soon I already did graphic facilitation in Brussels for organizations linked to the European uh, Commission uh, I think it's moving in a, at a very interesting pace. Yeah. And uh, people are realizing that the outcome of it is that you, you have a recording of content and of an event that is very easy to transmit and to communicate uh, immediately to other people. I don't know if you've had this experience, but oftentimes in the seminars where I work, let's say there's a group of managers and they come in the coffee break to take a look at what I was doing. They immediately take photos yeah. and they send them to their teams because they're sharing the content and the experience that they're having in person. But there's an immediacy of communication visually. So there's something important to me. I take the photo, I share it with them and that provokes a different kind of exchange that is very different than if they come back to the office with a big paper report and say, okay, let's sit together at the table and read this whole, this hundred pages together. It's a very different kind of, communication yeah so i think eventually little by little we will have more of this kind of uh, service uh, this kind of um, expression recording in meetings or in high level meetings mm. um, of things like governments or united nations or um, whatever you want
0: yeah yeah absolutely i i i so much hope that it, that We'll come more into that. Yeah, no, absolutely, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm And I, sure I can that. already, I can already see. And so I just interviewed an, another person on in Australia who works mm-hmm. with um, local government and with, um, like, um, state governments on on law proposals by drawing and are. telling yeah. stories, and then they come up with a law proposal. Yeah, uh, forgot which episode it is, but it was an awesome conversation around that's like fantastic. how you work with with the public. Because it's an it's an excellent tool for collaborative.
1: Skills for collaborative sessions yeah. and for brainstorming.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When we when we think about like you, you brought this NLP world, this communication yeah. world, and then you you use it in your training, and and you were like had this long experience of a of a. Of a visualization or like an illustrator yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you, at w- which point did you decided okay I, I move into the graphic facilitation world. When was it? like a couple of months ah, ago or like no. or?
1: That happened in 2013 mm-hmm. um, The first thing that happened, I closed the training company after four years. I started working only as coach. And I was going more or less okay, but I, still, I was still in transition and I needed um, I needed a cash flow mm-hmm. and I needed a lot of clients and cash flow. And one friend of mine that saw me doing some live sketching in a workshop and told me, well, there's, they're looking for a car- bilingual cartoon artist in a university in Paris. So why don't you go and check it out? I said, well, why not? not?"
0: It's almost like a personal call. Yeah,
1: it was like tailored for me (laughs) because this person needed to do cartoons, but also be fluent in French and English. So I said, well, that sounds like me. (laughs) So I went and I interviewed and they they hired me. And the job was to, one, one day a week, I was to go there and read articles for a publication in English they were producing producing, and do illustrations for some of these articles and the cover of this magazine. So it was a one-day job for one year. It was a little bit of cash flow, but it was true money. So I, I took it and that was fun. Then the same person later on told me, well, I am writing a couple of books. and Would you like to illustrate those books? So I said, yes. And I illustrated those books and that's the first time I got published. I thought, well, it doesn't hurt to have your name in Amazon, right? Yeah. So cool. Yeah, that's cool. And after that, having already two books uh, published, uh, illustrated, then I reconnected with one of the main NLP trainers and developers uh, from California. His name is Robert Diltz, and He trains a lot in Paris and I went to a seminar with him and a three-day seminar with him. I went to reconnect with him and to explore more about what to do with NLP. And uh, I showed him what I was doing. And when he was teaching in my notebook, I was doing a few cartoons. So I showed them to him. He really liked them. And he said, well, I'm writing a book for business people. Would you like to illustrate or to do some cartoons for that? So I totally jumped into that opportunity that one book was a huge book. So we started collaborating together and we decided to transform that one book into three volumes. And part of the deal was that whenever he was training in Paris, I was going to the, to the workshops and I was doing live sketching for his workshops in, on, electronically in an, in an iPad so I started doing that. And every single day of the training, I would produce 10, 15 sketches. And the next day he would show, he will show the, the sketches in a slideshow as a review of the day before awesome. and people yeah. would love it. Yeah. They, they would really, really like it. Uh, so it became like a, like a tradition that every time he trains in Paris, I'm there and I, and I show and I, and I sketch. And we show, show the sketches. And because I'm also an NLP trainer, he's not training NLP anymore. Now he, uh, he's training in a new model called success factor modeling that is a, that is a system for understanding yourself in order to create your business. Mm-hmm. So it's about, ent- it's about entrepreneurs and it's also about how to collaborate with other people. There's a lot of collective intelligence there and leadership skills. Um,
0: is there a book out there?
1: Now, the first two volumes are out.
0: What are they called? Uh, just to...
1: The first volume is called Next Generation Entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. It's published in English, in Spanish, in French, and in German. The second volume is called Generative Collaboration. And it's going to be translated also in all those languages, but not yet out, only in English. And we're just finishing right now the third volume so it's not out there and is going to call to be called um conscious leadership and resilience so those three books together are the ensemble of the system of success factor modeling so I also became a success factor modeling consultant we could say and as i was doing that life sketching A lot of other trainers, coaches, and consultants go to train with him. And they saw what I was doing and they started to invite me to do graphic recording for their own seminars and trainings. So that's how I started doing it professionally and and charging money for it. And it was not like I planned. It's not like I said, okay, now I'm going to do this full time, but I was already doing illustration. And I was doing already illustrating for websites and articles and books. And when they started to call me for the seminars, it just felt so natural. Because it was the perfect blend of my skills as a trainer and as an illustrator. And so that today sometimes I'm just doing the graphic recording, but sometimes I do the graphic recording and I facilitate one or two sequences within the seminar as a trainer. Um, so that's the case for the seminar that we're doing here in Melbourne. The first day and a half, I'm just recording, graphic recording. But the, the second part of the second day, I am the trainer mm-hmm. right, in, in the in yeah. the room. So my, how would you say, my fresque, I don't know, in, in, I don't know canvas. my canvas. Yeah. My canvas is done by lunchtime yeah. on the second day. And then the afternoon of the second day, I am, I'm the trainer.
0: And someone takes over and draws for you or no,
1: no, because Mm -hmm. it's funny because the, the second part of the second day is mostly based on NLP skills and coaching. So I'm sharing with them coaching skills for managers. Hmm. And I already know a little bit of what it's going to be about. So I already put some part of it in the canvas. So it's kind of ready and. There's really no no need for somebody else okay. taking taking over, and I'll be doing a different a different series of seminars with a different uh, consultant company, where I'll be doing graphic recording on the iPad during the three-day modules. But in between the modules, all the participants get coaching sessions, so I'll be also one of
0: the coaches. In terms of graphic recording on an iPad. In trainings, I get so often asked, "What's what's the right app?" And of course, this this is like a thousand dollar question because it's yeah. probably not the app. It's, but it, just like to know your setup, mm-hmm. I think it's great to 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 know like what how do you work when you do like a digital graphic recordings on an iPad. I
1: think is like asking a photographer if they like more Nikon or Canon. Yeah. Um, everybody will tell you which one is the the favorite and why. I started. Four years ago, with with uh, paper fifty three, and there was not even yet into smart styluses or anything. It was just like a stylus with a rubber with a Robert uh, tip. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I could barely draw, and it would be like uh, not so great, but it was still already impressive when you could project and draw live, and, mm. and people look yeah. at it. And that somehow had a connection with the content of the, of the conference that was already wow for a lot of people. So I started with that. Then I moved into bamboo paper Mm -hmm. because I trusted uh, Wacom as a brand and the, the app that they developed at that time. I, I thought it was very smart in terms of switching pages and having practical tools. And also they got their own their own stylus, their own pen. Styles, their yes. own pen. Yeah, that was one of the first really yeah. good pens with Bluetooth connection. Absolutely. Uh, so it was much better already in terms of um, the sensitivity of the pressure of the hand and things like that. Later on, both Paper Fifty Three and and Bamboo Paper, they develop in in directions that I didn't appreciate that much. I think I think they're trying to do too much in the same app. But that's just my, my opinion. And I discovered... That the one that I really like right now is called Taijasui Sketches.
0: Taichasui?
1: Sketches. You find it in the app store just I'll by the name the of Sketches. Yeah. Just yeah. Sketches. But it's from a company called Taijasui or something like that. And I'm using that one now more and more. Um, now I have the iPad Pro and mm. the Apple Pencil which for me right now is the best stylus for iPad that exists because it reduces a lot the the time gap in between what I do and what I see it really feels like working on paper so that's for me that's great and it's really sensitive very very sensitive so and the the, the sketches app has different advantages i really like the the outcome of the, of the tools you have the typical pencil ink and Um, watercolor and things like that but something that I really like there is that you have layers and you can work with layers and you can also work with you can type words you have a few like a dozen types of fonts but you can type also and get a result that is very easily readable for everybody but I really enjoy having having the, the layers so that you can do something, then pass to another layer and protect what you did before and not erase it by accident yeah. or anything. Yeah. Um, and in the end, you can also export it. All these layers, you can export it as a as a Photoshop file or a, yeah. you can open it in Illustrator. So it's very easy to collaborate with other tools right. for doing some post-production later Absolutely. or coloring, etc. cetera. Great. So it's a very robust and flexible tool. So that's the combination that I'm using right now. The, the Apple pencil, the Apple pencil and the sketches.
0: Gaffer tape to fix the cables or how do you connect to this data projector?
1: It always depends on the setting, right? It always depends on the, also, it always depends on the setting of the, of the venue and what they're uh, technically they're capable of. I've already had the experience of being in a room where they use airport so that i am connected to the projector yeah wireless and that's fantastic because i can be anywhere in the room and sketching another thing is that oftentimes i prefer or we prefer with the client not to show the drawing as it's done live because it's mesmerizing people get very distracted yeah. by looking at the screen and your drawing appearing there, they get, they get fascinated by it or just just distracted.
0: Yeah, just they start laughing while you, because he did something awesome. And they, they yeah, the speaker says, why? More than that, I mean, if you yeah. get the
1: laugh, is great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that's a really good, good sign yeah. that there's a connection there. Yeah. But what happens is that they get really distracted by looking at the, the the sketching being done live. So what I prefer to do is to have like a switcher in which i have um, a slide with the logo or the name of the mm-hmm. the title of the event etc and something an image that is fixed and then i do my sketch and when the sketch is done i switch it so i show it for a few seconds to make to make it present or to to show it and then i switch back to the to the fixed slide and then i keep on working so there's still the immediacy of it yeah, but without the distraction part. I like it. Good. Um, recently, I also did one in which everybody was on Twitter all the time. So what I was doing, I was drawing in my in my iPad and I was just posting immediately in in Twitter my sketches. So most people will be watching them live. Not every single person, but most people would, and you know, with the hashtag of the of the event, etc. So. There was already a flow of drawings in Twitter about about the event. So we didn't need to display them immediately.
0: Awesome. Hey guys, this was the first part of two parts of this interview with Antonio. If you enjoyed it, then please jump over on LinkedIn and share it with your friends. And maybe jump over on iTunes and give us a thumbs up, give us a rating. That all helps that more people get to know the podcast and can enjoy the show. Thank you very much for listening again. And i let you now switch over to part number two about symbolic thinking with Antonio again.